Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. everybody to another episode of the southern outdoors and podcast feels good to be sitting here in the studio with the ginger bow hunter himself sitting across from me how you doing over there oh dude doing fired up I'm fired up man uh back from oh idaho man had a really good trip out there gotta go catch my i don't fur. think we said anything about idaho we, before we, we went we, out there. we didn't we did not at all but it was a very uh it was a fun it, trip man. fun impactful trip for sure i was able to catch my first uh both rainbow trout and cutthroat trout on the fly rod which was an absolute blast. i was putting stuff on my story and everyone's like what are you hunting up there i was like well nothing <laughs> <laughs> nothing <laughs> this time nothing nothing yeah so it was a good time though we might go back up there 
made some uh, connections for possible elk hunt in the future. Maybe some upland hunts. Who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how she plays out. But uh, super excited, though, about that. So, you know, just got back from Idaho. We've been extremely busy, everybody. But uh, hopefully you guys have had some time to be able to go out, do some scouting, have some fun in the woods, getting prepared for season. Now, by the time you're listening to this episode, the velvet hunt in Tennessee is already going to be up and running, which is actually, this will be the first year I'm not actually taking part in that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Jacob making a little sacrifice. Yeah. I, I applaud you making a little sacrifice. Yep, yep, there you go. Got work to do. Yeah, we had, we got some, we got some big stuff that we got to work on, uh, which is going to be well worth missing that trip. But best of luck to everybody up in Tennessee hunting that velvet did you, hunt. Uh, did you break Jacob Emery's heart? I did, I did. I had to tell him. I had Man. to tell him. Which, you know. Bummer. Yep, it is what it is. It is what it is. But you know, if you're up there uh, listening to this on that hunt, because again, opening day starts tomorrow morning. Uh, tomorrow, actually, yeah, it's go yeah. time tomorrow it's, morning. When, it, when you're hearing this episode, Dude, man, you better get out in the truck. You yeah. still got time to get up there. Yeah, oh, velvet, <laughs> velvet bucks ready to drop. But uh, anyway, super excited to kind of see you know what that feedback is from up there. Because again, last year was super rough. I'm excited to see if you know people have success this year. Do you think that if people get their teeth kicked in again this year, this is like the year that that pressure starts? Dropping off, which the pressure's really not been that bad. No, it hasn't. At least where we hunt. No, it's one of those things that, like, once you go out there and you think, like, shooting a deer in a bean field is going to be super easy until you find out they're not in the bean fields. <laughs> and they're, like, they're not in. Or they're in the bean fields and the beans are six feet tall. Or you just can't, yeah. Or yeah. just, or they're not in the bean fields because the bean fields or the beans are too short and you can't see them because they're in the timber and they don't want to come out. And it's, it's tough. That's what we ran into last year. Just, uh, you know, situation after situation like that where there's the deer. Definitely after, you know, two, three years of pressure at that time of the year and people driving up there definitely know there's, you know, there's something going on. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. If You know, if it's a rough year this year, I think it'll definitely uh, make it where there's going to be more and more people not wanting to potentially take part in it. Just because it's not the most fun hunt in the world. It's hot. It's muggy. Literally, the size of mosquitoes over there and, you know. Pick you t- up and, and carry you off. Yeah, and the CWD zone are ginormous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not fun. But, hey, you know, it's a chance to be able to kill a a nice velvet buck early. Get the in the monkey year. off your back early, you know. Or let that monkey really, you know, choke hold you and strangle you, <laughs> which happened to us last year. So, uh, anyways, but yeah, get that rocking and rolling. So I know we had some listeners up there that are gonna be hunting, uh, doing, taking part in that hunt specifically. But you know, got back from Idaho. You know, we've had a few episodes come out that we haven't been able to do outros on. So super excited to be able to kind of do a, a fun outro for you guys this week. Talking about a couple episodes. Talking about you know Russ Johnson and Rustin Johnson's episode from mm-hmm. last week. Uh, talking some trail cam strategy. Uh, and then also from this week's episode, having a fan favorite and classic, and as some people have told us, the goat of all podcasting. Yep. Uh, Travis Murray uh, was back on the podcast for another excellent episode. Uh, talking about wisdomship and how small game has really played a factor mm-hmm. for him. And also, you know, it's actually a common trait with a lot of our really high kind of top tier guests yep. is uh, small game hunting. So, yep. There's, uh, there's pretty much always some kind of small game hunting aspect to whatever those guys have going on. Yeah, kinda, interesting. You know what? I kind of want to start with a small game. You know, talking here, discussing. Also, by the way, like I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, we got to talk about all that. Also, we got to talk about some debacle that's happened recently with Andrew's landscaping skills. We got <laughs> we got to talk about that. He doesn't want to talk about, but I think some of you all are going to thoroughly enjoy. It. Don't you cut this out, Andrew? It's going to be fun. Oh my it's going entertain- to be entertaining. Ain't nobody tuning in to hear about this. It, it's it's entertaining, guys. I'll take some photos and post it. It's great. Oh God, it's great. Hey, listen. You know, sometimes you just need you know a higher prescription on your contacts, bro. You know, it's all about perception. <laughs> I got a depth perception. <laughs> Drink you another one, son, because listen, bow season's going to get here. And you're like, man, I swear I thought that deer was at 25 yards. The next thing you know, you're, we're ranging, it's at 48 because oh, I, man. Can't, I can't tell how far it is. It's like that time 
uh, a couple years back where we were arguing about how far that target was, and I was like a good 15 yards off. Yeah, yeah. We're, I was like, that's 60-something yards. And you're, like, you're like, no, it's 40. Yeah, you're like, no, no, it's not. I'm like, okay, let's break the range finder. It's like 62. Oh, um, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just put the arrow in front of it. Like, just hunting the thickets. I don't have to think about that stuff. Yeah, as long as, long as it's point blank, you ain't got to worry about it. Um, but anyways, no, I want to start with the uh, kind of talking about with Travis Murray's episode just because it, it's an interesting discussion. We've had some really good feedback from it. And also, you know, having a guy like Travis who's killed just a ton of absolute monster bucks, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's something to really kind of pay attention to because the guy's killed, again, you know, per, you know, the first time we've had him on the podcast, over 40 bucks, over 140 inches from Georgia, or I'm sorry, from Mississippi, not Georgia. Sorry about that, Mississippians, uh, <laughs> from the great state of Mississippi. And, uh, you know, also just, you know, a couple absolute giants that are, you know, you know pushing that 200-inch mark, you know, yep. one, one particular. And it's one of those things that, like, that do, you know, Travis has learned so much, and he really credits a lot of it to small game hunting. Mm-hmm. And that kind of upbringing of, like, hey, you know, deer hunting wasn't like it was like a necessity it wasn't like a passion where like small game was where you really kind of cut your teeth learning your woodsmanship skills your stalking skills and how to be able to be a good marksman mm-hmm. yeah that then apply to whitetails well one thing that i kind of actually didn't expect to get out of that episode but that really ended up being kind of a focal point of it was he kept talking about how small game gave him the passion to hunt he that gave him the passion for the hunt and uh that that's like kind of like a a little bit of a complicated subject, I guess, because you're kind of getting into people's heads or whatever, but teaching you a love of like the pursuit and the hunt itself and not necessarily like an end destination, not to get too like philosophical on everybody, but that is a difference I notice between my friends who are primarily whitetail guys and my friends who are a little bit more generalist. The whitetail guys are much, much more goal-oriented, which there's nothing wrong with if that's like how you have your fun, you know, if that's how you want to spend your off time. Uh, the uh, the small game guys are much more oriented on the hunt itself, and I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. The small game guys that like never get burned out. They never ever get burned out. Mm-hmm. And like my the whitetail guys I know who are hardcore whitetail guys, they usually end up getting pretty burned out at some point or another. Yeah. And it's just a difference between the two. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it's just it was interesting to hear him bring that up. Because it's not something I'd really considered until he started talking about it. But I'm like, you know what? Actually, now that you mention that, I definitely see that. Yeah, because it's humbling when you get your teeth kicked in by these squirrels or rabbits or whatever that you're targeting. Like, my mm-hmm. thing is, I'll tell you this. On a rabbit hunt, you talk about shark eyes. Shark eyes, <laughs> that, that normally doesn't happen to me. Whitetails, I'm pretty focused, like, shooting a whitetail and stuff. It comes rabbit hunting, bro. It's like, mm. God bless that rabbit. Explain shark eyes. Oh, oh, that's like in case they weren't well, listening. We, to the was, I think that's from like no, I think that's from like 2020. I think episode 2020, an episode from Turkey Season back in 2020, because um, that's when you killed your freaking four or five birds. Ever how many birds you killed that year? And yeah. um, you know, you talking about shark eyes, where you literally like eyes go black. You freaking just you're in the zone, and it's kill, kill, kill. Like you're in the zone. And you're like, what just small happened? game taught me that for yeah. sure. And like <laughs> that definitely happens when I'm rabbit hunting specifically i haven't squirrel hunted much at all but like rabbit hunting specifically we got some beagles uh-huh. bro it is like do what you can get in front of those beagles and bro you better hold on because listen oh, if, yeah. if i get a shot opportunity we're making it happen well it's fun it's fun watching you get in more and more into the rabbit hunting especially because it, it's interactive with dogs and you're active and everything and just since i've known you mm-hmm. you get out and it's like a new wind at the end of deer season because you know our deer season is long and even with guys like us man when you start getting into like late January, early February, the season starts grinding on. I mean, you start slacking off big time. 
and uh, and seeing you get that second wind in February and just start going hard freaking rabbit hunting. Last year, going every Wednesday and Saturday for like the whole season, mm-hmm. uh, or after deer season went out, that is, and, uh, and getting after it, killing a whole bunch of rabbits, dude. It's just fun watching that because, again, it's like a new spark at the end of the season. It keeps you in the woods, keeps you learning. You're still having fun. so yeah. Well, and, and they're delicious. They're, they're fun to eat. Or good to eat, should I say. Fun to hunt. But also, dude, one thing that's taught me, especially like you're talking like woodsmanship skills, I don't know how this can really apply for whitetails, but definitely for rabbit, is learning like after you've hunted an area once or twice and you kind of understand like there's a pattern here of how they like to try to keep away from the dogs. Oh, yeah. And like once you find... Again, this does not apply to deer hunting. I guess, I guess, unless you're like running hounds or something, and like you just need like there's certain paths to travel a deer would take. But for the rabbit specifically, once you hunt an area once or twice, you're like, oh, I now know if we run a rabbit in here, they're normally doing this loop coming through this one area. Yeah. And you can sit in one of those spots. Like when they get up on a rabbit, you can run into one of those areas. And 90% of the time, you're going to have a rabbit get within 15, 20 yards if you give you a good shot opportunity. Uh-huh. And you're like, okay, uh, you know, there's some strategy here that you can yeah. kind of some of that woodsmanship that you're keying in on every time that like, you're trying to build upon. Well, uh, and I think Travis might have mentioned that too, where there's like some, there's like an intangible aspect to it where he, he's like, it's hard to explain. Like some, there's some ways where it makes you better. I can't tell you right here, right now, exactly how it makes you better, but it just does. And you got to know it. You got to do it to know what I'm talking about here. You know what we ought to do this year? And I wonder if Mr. Benny and Jim and those guys would let us do it. Uh We should do a Southern Outdoorsman rabbit hunt. Oh, yeah. Where maybe like, we like, you know, it can't be open to everybody because we can only, I mean, it's not like we have like a a hundred plus people there, but like. Maybe we like do it like selectively, like hey, pick a few people. Like if you want to come, like hey, if you're willing to come on a couple different hunts, and like hey, you know, take it down to spots whether we try some public land or private. That'd be kind of fun. That I would be, be, I, dude. I bet Ben would be all about that. All about it. And we do a pod, we do a live podcast there, and you can kind of take part of the podcast. Oh, hey, listeners, listeners, guys, if if you know, that would be fun. if you want to extend your season sometime in February, you know, whether you live in Alabama or not, and you'd be down to you know come do an Al- you know Alabama rabbit hunt for you know a couple, you know, at least twice in a We're week. Interested in hearing from you? We're very interested. Let us know. Shoot us a uh, message or of course an email or leave us a five-star written review and let us know if you'd want to do a rabbit hunt and maybe we try to make something happen talk to some of the guys and you know get a pack of beagles out there that would be a blast like nah, it really would fun. be well it's kind of sad man a lot of people haven't ever experienced that that beagle hunt like that oh, rabbit hunt yeah you got freaking 15 beagles on the ground when we were up in idaho and we were talking to some of those guys they're like oh yeah we rabbit hunt I'm like how do you hunt with them oh we just like walk fence lines and stuff i'm like boring i'm like that's so lame <laughs> dude like dude Dude, I'm talking about turn the hounds loose, drop the gate. Dude, I mean, these little nine-inch freaking uh, and 13-inch beagles, dude, just, I mean, tearing through the freaking woods. And uh, it's it's a different experience. Kylie, there's one beagle that we run. I swear I've killed swamp rabbits bigger than her. Little Dixie. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude, and she's got drive. But that's, that gets to be a problem because she can squeeze into little tight spaces. <laughs> and so she'll crawl up in between boulders and stuff and crawl down in rabbit holes and you got to grab her by the back legs and pull her out of there. Yank, yank her out. But, like, <laughs> no, definitely, I think a Southern Outdoorsman uh, rabbit hunt would be an absolute blast. Gosh, that would be fun, dude. dude. Maybe, like a little rabbit hunting tournament or something. I don't know. We could, <sighs> we could make it fun. We don't think about this. We, we, we need... I got the place for it now. The club, man, I'll tell you what. I've been seeing some freaking cane cutters out I, there. Well, actually, that's why I was thinking about we could maybe do it, do it down there and then get, you know, get... Yeah. 15, 20, 35 beagles, something like that, and get, you know, 25, 30 35 guys. 35 beagles. We, we, we might know some people. Hold on. We're going to make some We don't more. need that many beagles. Yeah, Good dude. Grief. Listen, hey, rabbit ain't going to have a chance, bro. <laughs> and listen, neither do I'll you. We're running four different rabbits at once. It's a big chaos. 
Oh my I'd love it. That'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be that'd be a blast. Turn I could maybe see if I could get us permission on the club across the street too. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but um, I know a guy in that club. So I don't know what. I don't know if they'd be open. He might be listening right now. I'd yeah. be curious to, to see if we could do that because my club hadn't been hunted on in like seven years or something. The guys had the lease for seven years, and he said no one's rabbit hunted it. <sighs> and so I'm like, okay, we've well, seen them. Oh, by okay. the way, oh, I didn't tell you when we were up in Idaho. I was walking like and catch him and go into that little restaurant I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. I was walking this little back alley and I saw this thing scared out in front of me. I'm like, man, that's a that's a weird looking bird or I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, right at dusk and it was a cottontail and bro, at least I think it was. A, I don't know, they may have another rabbit out there. It was so little. It oh, was yeah, dude. It was it was the size of that beer can, maybe. Nope. like maybe. It was so the little. little. It's probably a desert cottontail. Well, it, I don't know. I'm not real familiar with like Western rabbit species, but the ones we were seeing in Wyoming were like that, where. We kept seeing them on the roads, and I'm just like, oh, there's a rabbit. And so I load up the shotgun after I killed the buck, and I, I'm like just small game hunting for a week. I, I load up the shotgun, and I go walking around. I'm like, I'm going to shoot me some rabbits. And I keep jumping them, and, dude, they're so small that I'm not even shooting them because I'm thinking, like, they're like babies or something, like baby rabbits, literally. And then finally I was like, dude, I think these are just like how big the rabbits are out here. Yeah. And I'm like, I ain't even wasting a shell on these things because, I mean, they were just so You did like kind of like a 410 or something. I felt bad. I had a freaking 12-gauge with uh, with steel shot because I, I could jump shoot ducks too. So I was like, well, I'm going to shoot some like steel number fives or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> these poor little like 12-ounce <laughs> rabbits. So anyways, so I didn't shoot any rabbits that trip. But, yeah, no, the uh, I think the rabbit hunting, dude, is an absolute blast. I mean, but again, I haven't done squirrel hunting, but one thing that Travis talks about in the episode is like, especially squirrel hunting specifically, he's not only using it as like a way to like build wisdom and shit because you're learning how to stalk, you're learning how to put yourself in a position in order to close the distance to, you know, execute a shot and also marksmanship, but also you're learning how to read the woods, read the sign, understand like where you need to be, when you need to be there, but also kind of teaching you like the patience aspect. Like sometimes like you got to just, you know, you, you can't just like walk right in on that squirrel while it's on the tree. Which again is different from the rabbit hunting because the rabbit hunting, you know, he was talking about like you know if you really want to challenge to go rabbit hunt with the twenty two, walk in the woods by yourself and try you know yeah. jump shoot rabbits. That's hard. Yeah, that'd be super hard unless you're around like some kind of cut field or something like that where they're coming out into. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's interesting to kind of see like that woodsmanship and again just like Mister Benny and a couple of these other guys who like have like a small game background is like squirrel hunting such a big part of like that woodsmanship built building like. Uh, your skill set and sign reading that then applies to whitetails. And also, like Travis said, that I thought was really interesting, which I'd love to maybe try to do this year on some new parcels, is using squirrel hunting as a way to scout your way into a new spot, mm-hmm. just like what we're talking about doing with the dogs, upland hunting and hunting woodcock yeah. to kind of scout into some new spots as well, you know, that was going to hold some bucks that's really thick, nasty yeah. cover. Well, and longtime listeners will be familiar with it, but like when we talked to Benny, this is Ben George, yeah, my, ben, my mentor. Yeah, Ben in the leg by the old water moccasin. And this, yeah, this got tough tagged t- by water moccasin like t- the day before we interviewed him, and he didn't go to the hospital. He's t- like, well, I just went downstairs and drank a beer and watched it for a while. <laughs> I'm like, God, <laughs> God bless you. He's and, uh, man, so he, he t- he's talked about quite a bit. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure we talked about it when we interviewed him, but uh, he's talked about when he goes to a new place, that's how he uses his time. He'll he'll grab the twenty two. He's got a nice CZ twenty two, mm-hmm. absolute tack driver. Goes out just just like the angel of death for squirrels, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> and he goes out there and he just spends all day and he just slips through the woods. He just melts through the woods, squirrel hunting. And he's observing. He's seeing deer. He's not alerting them. He's reading the sign. He's finding the paths of least resistance. He's following the hardwoods, and uh, and he'll do that. 
pretty much this time of year. I mean, it's late August right now, but our squirrel season opens here pretty soon. And back in the day, our squirrel season opened October 1st, and uh, that's when he would be doing a lot of that squirrel hunting. So he'd start October 1st, and he would squirrel hunt until gun season for deer open. So he squirrel hunted from October 1st to the third Saturday in November, and he had all that time of essentially just scouting for deer. And then rifle season opens, and bam, he's killing bucks immediately because mm-hmm. he's just using that time to get familiar with the woods, the lay of the land, and, and going out and finding stuff. Yeah, and it's like it's interesting because again, like my upbringing was not that. Like we got into like big game hunting, you know, deer hunting specifically, and dabbled in turkey hunting a little bit. And like there wasn't an emphasis on small game hunting. And I have noticed that like guys that are brought up small game hunting first as like an introduction, I feel like they have like a different kind of passion for it compared to the guys that just get straight into deer hunting. That's the only thing they've ever done is deer hunt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, again, not saying one's better than the other, but there's a, a distinct difference between like the people I know who are small game guys and the guys who are straight well, up deer well, guys. And the, no, the way I look at it is like, it's a reasoning to try and go out and try to implement because I think you can learn more. What I mean is like, I think you can learn more, especially with the time in the woods that maybe you only have an hour or two to hunt, you know, try a small game hunt. Mm-hmm. And also it's delicious. Like, dude, I hadn't eaten squirrel until like the one time I went over to Benny's house and he had some like that we prepared, which we're going to do a catch. We're going to do a. It won't be a catching cook because we're gonna shoot the hell out, of it, but we're gonna, you know a shooting cook. <laughs> Did you catch any squirrels? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Caught him with the twenty two between his eyes. Yeah, and uh, but no, uh, we're gonna do a video kind of doing some recipes uh, specifically for that for you guys, both for the Patreon users. By the way, uh, if you want some of that bonus content, guys, make sure you join our Patreon, which is patreon.com mm-hmm. forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. But um, but do but I, like I was first time I ever had squirrel was over at his place, and I was very impressed. Very impressed mm, yeah. to the point, like, and I had a rabbit first time ever. Uh, maybe not. First time since I've been an adult, I had it as a child at mm-hmm. like a like a church kind of wild game cook yeah, thing. Potluck and type it, deal. It, it was all right. I don't, it wasn't very memorable. I just remember I had it. Um, but the way Benny does it was really interesting. I, the way I've done it has been really, really good too. And it's like, man, it's you know, as I've, you've, I've heard you talk stuff. about it's you know, squirrels, the chicken of the tree, or whatever you call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, another thing about squirrel hunting, and I think back on my hunts that I went on early last season, uh, there's something just like really satisfying, especially once you kind of know what you're doing when you're squirrel hunting and you start achieving that level of patience that it takes to actually be like really successful because everyone. I, with a lot of deer hunters, especially, I've noticed over the years that I'll run into guys and they'll be like, well, squirrel hunting's easy, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's not that hard to go out and shoot a squirrel. Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy to go out and shoot eight squirrels, which is our limit here in Alabama, and be consistently successful with it. Uh, that do, that does take skill and challenge and everything, especially with a 22. And going out last year before season, you know, every year it's like my ritual, dude. Here in about two weeks, I'll I'll be doing it again. You go out, and you're hunting squirrels on feed trees, and they're up there, and they're cutting a nut, and they're running around, they're doing whatever, and you learn how to move on those things and get close to them. But also, you learn how to read their body language and read what they're doing, and you just set back against a tree, and you get to a good little, almost like Western hunting. It's almost like a good glassing position, dude. And you sit back, and he's running around this tree, and he's doing his thing, and the more unexperienced hunter might be like, okay, I need to take a shot like right now. But you you lay back and you just kind of hold your cards close to your chest and you just let him do what he's going to do until he, you get the perfect opportunity. And it's like when you're sitting there and you're watching that squirrel and you've been on this one squirrel for like 30 minutes and then all of a sudden he pops up over that one limb and just sits there and you've got that perfect headshot with a 22 rifle, 
Dude, there's not there's not many better feelings than that, in my opinion. I mean, I love deer hunting and everything, but there's something extremely satisfying about kind of playing that game of wits with a squirrel like that. And it sounds silly because it's a squirrel, but, I mean, there really is something to it. You know, you shoot him, he drops out of the tree, you hear that thud when he hits the ground, and you're like, okay. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting dialed in now. Especially starting off the season like that, man. It's it's really satisfying. Now, what's your take on that for, like, boosting marksmanship, especially with a rifle? I think Michael Pike needs to do it immediately. <laughs> oh, Dilla. Well, so, really, though, it is. I mean, I think that it has a lot to do with it, man, because you're shooting at a squirrel's head. If you're shooting at him from, like, 50 yards of the 22, that's a very small target, and you have to be very good at shooting. And And the reason that, like, we've talked about this, like so much but it's like i go to the range with michael and he will cloverleaf you know his target i mean just bam 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 bullseye three times bullet holes are touching and uh he'll do it at 100 yards and beyond he's fine on a bench but we don't hunt off of benches right and the the thing with squirrel hunting is it gives you that invaluable um real world experience of shooting in a variety of situations where you actually have a target up there and you have to adjust to that target and execute a shot in a limited amount of time. And it's real. It's not, you can't like train that at a gun range. That's life really. and death. Like you're, you're about to try to take something's life. You don't want to freaking. You're literally about to kill something. Yeah. Let me, t- let me tell you this. I'm, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. And listeners probably won't like it, but I'm curious. Okay. Well, it's squirrels, head shooting squirrels. Uh huh. That's interesting. And then you have guys that like, I, I don't do it, but like head shoot deer or something like that. Oh yeah, that, I don't even want to get into that. There you open up a can of worms. Yeah, open up a can of worms because uh, yeah, it goes yeah. <laughs> well, with squirrels, I sh- head shoot squirrels with a twenty two because if I shoot them in the if I shoot them behind the shoulder with a twenty two, nine times out of ten I'm ruining half the meat. Right? It's not quite like that with a deer, so it's a little bit different. So you know. And plus, deer are big, you know, furry, cute critters that everyone, like, likes to take pictures of, right? So I had a deer walking through this neighborhood yesterday, and if he comes walking through here with his bottom jaw blown off and the lady across the street takes a picture of that, it's a little bit different, you know, than uh, than if a little squirrel, you know, goes and dies up in its nest. It's not good, obviously. You don't want to, like, maim an animal and have it go die, but... So, so uh, I think it's worse. I'm playing, if, if yeah, you, yeah. I'm, I'm, shoot, I'm playing a little devil's advocate because I'm like, I'm like, so like, you're, so you're saying you're not valuing that squirrel's life as much as a oh deer? You're saying no. Now I'll put you in a <laughs> corner. Like, like if a deer <laughs> walks through the neighborhood with a crossbow bolt sticking through his forehead that didn't catch his brain or whatever, that is interesting. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's just like Bambi. Yeah. Hunters are so evil. Yeah. We got we got to be our own advocates here, people. You know, so, see how it changes the conversation real quick. Just yeah, by bringing this up. golly, uh, left turn uh, into, come, into uh, controversy. You know, you know, I just got to you know, got to spice it up some. <laughs> you know, can't can't have it. Just, that's a, no, that's a good that's a good little. Yeah, little no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, it's a, little, it's a little coming out like, oh yeah, we'll shoot squirrels. What's your opinion on that? I mean, I just I don't. I don't want to get. I want to get into it. I've never squirrel hunted. I got no experience head shooting things. I, I don't know. I will say I'll take that back. I have shot a few with a pellet gun back in the Dizay back when I was probably nine, ten years old. I, mm. I did. I had a pellet gun back in the day. Uh, I think it was like a. I think I want to say it was made by Remington. It was like you know, it was like one of those pump. Uh, it was like a pump action, not action, but like a cylinder, a cylinder, cylinder. What's the freaking term? Um, Anyways, it's like a, a a a pump pellet gun 
where you could get it up to you know eight nine hundred you know feet per second and uh, just shooting around BBs and dude, or you can shoot pals, but I shot there's a lot of BBs and dude, I would just shoot get the cra- it. I shoot the crap out of all kinds of things. And the problem was just getting back then didn't know what to do with them, so it was a bunch of killing nothing using them. Oh so, yeah, you know the typical you know nine ten year old running around with a pellet gun. Oh yeah, so. Uh, never done that, but uh, that I, I was saying, that's the only ones I've, I get. I don't think how many I probably have killed. I killed more squirrels then at that age than I've ever killed like since. Oh, I'm sure. I'm like sure. I'm trying to think. Did I ever kill any up at Subi? No, we killed the crap out of some rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we never we never squirrel hunted up there either. Uh, we just rabbit. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I've never really squirrel hunted a whole bunch, but. Interested though, but yeah, that's an interesting dilemma. It's like me, you know, this you're talking headshots and everything, you know, a little different. I don't know, a little different, but uh, no, but you know, just like the skill set though, like you're talking about like marksmanship. I think I can, I can see the, like, the value of like being able to shoot in different positions, different kind of rests, you know, both freehand potentially, uh, like freehand or offhand shots, uh, from a kneeling position, staying position, you know, different brace setups, like that could really kind of help. Limbs in the way, you know, like I had I had one last year where I had all, all kinds of stuff between me and this squirrel, and he was like he was like 50 or 60 yards away, which was a pretty long shot, uh, like through the woods, especially like through timber. And he was in the crotch of this tree, like way off the edge of this big mountain we were on. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I could just barely see his head. All I could see was his head. But there was so much stuff between me and him, I had to like continually like move – and adjust my position so I could get like a just clear enough window where I could make it to that spot, and then I squeezed it off and like was able to get him. But uh, it's kind of like situations like that too, because especially if you're deer hunting in timber or even if you're l- overlooking a cutover, there's going to be limbs, there's going to be brush and stuff that you're going to have to deal with, and you're going to have to lean around things to get a clear shot. And uh, I feel like squirrel hunting is one of those things where, for me at least, like. That's why I'm pretty pretty confident with a rifle. Yeah. Like, if I got a deer in front of me with a rifle, I've, I've got a very good chance of bringing it home. See, on the flip side, I just shoot a rifle a ton. So that's, like, where my confidence comes from. Like, I've, mm-hmm. like when, I've had a conversation with Michael and a bunch of other guys. It's like, dude, you know, when we that's an interesting thing about us and, like, especially, like, like, who we are, like, our brand and everything and, like, where we live is you can, like, nothing against, you know, bowing because we bow one a lot too, but it's, like, you have such a long rifle season in some of these states that we hunt. It's like, you know, you can take either one. You can take archery or rifle, but some of them it's, you know. Oh, dude. You're hunting with it. A lot of them is you're hunting with a rifle, and it's like an absolute blast. Well, I, dude, one of my favorite things ever is talking to people who aren't from the South. I had a freaking blast in Idaho just telling all these Westerners about our gun season, man. I was like, so get this. <laughs> our gun season doesn't come until this, and it doesn't go out till then. And they're like, what? They're like, how's there still they deer? Can't believe it. Yeah, they're like, how there still deer? I'm, yeah, I'm I like, was telling people, I'm like, we can kill a doe a day. And they're like, what? <laughs> Dude, they cannot believe it. It is so fun yeah. telling people that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then uh, that's that's a good point. But also, uh, just like the, my, my, again, mine just comes from just shooting rifles a whole bunch and just having a bunch of experience, you know, shooting firearms, which helps me like being extremely confident, like when, when shooting with one. But, um, you know, it is interesting though. Like when it comes to, like that killing experience, like you know, I was talking to some guys. I'm trying to think where where we at. It might have been while we were in Idaho or something. We were talking about whitetail hunting, and like you know, some of these states where you can only kill like one doe or two does and like one or two bucks, or maybe just one buck. You can only kill like say three deer a year. Yeah, you only kill three deer a year. And I'm saying I'm not I'm not killing a bunch of deer myself. But like you get some of these guys that we interview that 
you know, they're killing it because they live in the southeast where they may get two, three buck tags plus a bunch of doe tags, and they may be killing six, eight, ten, twelve deer a year legally because they can because yeah. of the tags yeah. and, and the permits. And it's like you get so much experience, like just ec- killing ec- stuff. Well, executing the shot, just like squirrel hunting. Like squirrel hunting is giving yeah. you a lot of not only like killing, ex- like you not only like woodsmanship, but you're getting a lot of killing experience. Hopefully, if you're doing it right. Um, uh, you know, executing a shot. And it's like the same thing about living in the South. It's like you have the opportunity if you can get on enough deer and if you need the deer. Some people, you don't need to shoot that many deer because I'm like, I'm not going to eat that many deer, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But some do and some, are, you know, give some the meat away. But it's like you have the opportunity to get a ton of experience, you know, killing deer under your belt, which is going to directly, you know, benefit you on hopefully kind of keeping it together because you've been through that time and time again. Oh, yeah. Big like, time. Like one of our buddies. Taylor Chamberlain that we, you know, got to see again at this event. Uh, you know, he's killed more deer in North America. I'm not going to say a number, but I guarantee more deer in North America uh, than, than most other people. Than 99.999999% very, very of people. people have killed as many deer as Never, Yeah, 100%. Um, and it's also, I say legally, too, because I don't yeah. know. There, there may be some outlaws out there, but like, legally-wise. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, definitely in but, Alabama. But it's, it's really, really interesting to kind of see, like, guys like that. That's why, like, I looked at, like, I, like, I see guys like like Taylor, for example, who kills, like, just an ungodly number of deer every single year. And, like, that gives you so much credibility to me when it comes, like, if I'm if I'm really curious, say, like, on bow sets, because he bow hunts, like, almost pretty much exclusively, is, like, seeing, like, exactly what that kind of entails. Because, like, he shot so many deer every single year. It's like, okay, you know, he has a pretty good understanding of shot placement, but blood trails, arrow weight, broadheads, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. And it's like, again, when it comes to, like, these guys that squirrel hunt, per se, you have so much killing experience and marksmanship experience and woodsmanship experience that then it kind of directly applies to whitetail hunting. And then, again, if you live in the southeast where you have pretty liberal bag limits, if you're, you know, solid enough and good enough to be able to either have some good property that you can find here pretty easily or, or have, you know, opportunities to find them on public, you know, you get a ton of experience, man, putting stuff on the ground and, and, and getting that done. So it's really kind of interesting to be down here in the southeast specifically. Yeah, definitely. Houndstooth Game Call's Dixie Hen Slate was just voted the overall best turkey call by Field and Stream Outdoors, and trust me, it's super easy to run and be extremely dynamic when you're in the turkey woods. Now, we've mentioned a couple of these calls in the past, like the Spur Master and the Success Call in a past episode with both Gary Vines and Lyle Gilbert of Houndstooth Game Calls. And it was funny enough, y'all actually bought every Spur Master call and Success Call they had. Now, pay attention to their website. They're going to have some more come up in stock in the next few days. So when they come available, make sure you get one if you did not purchase one before they sold out last time. Both the Spurmaster and the Success Call are fantastic for hunting high-pressure turkeys, whether you're on a hunting club where you have a lot of other members hunting those same turkeys, or if you're on public land. Again, both of those calls will make you sound a little bit different from everybody else and be a lot more subtle in your calling technique and be able to really help close those distance with those gobblers. So if you want to give Houndstooth Game Calls a try, go to houndstoothgamecalls.com. Use the promo code SOP24. Again, promo code SOP24 for 15% off houndtoothgamecalls.com. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at 
uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the true lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the true lock choke is unbelievable. Like, everybody's jaws were dropping. Like, when I, we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And, Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from true lock. It's a great option. Same chokes I have in my shotgun. So, guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you can head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T R U L O C K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring, especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun, and shoot with a more deadly pattern with True Lock. Small game hunt, man. You don't need to go do it, especially this time of year. I know Georgia's uh, squirrel season is already open because I looked yesterday because mm-hmm. I thought about bringing my twenty two tomorrow. But uh, uh, Alabama squirrel season going to open up here pretty soon. I'm, I'm not sure about other states, but, man, y'all get out there, get after it. It's fun. You will not regret it. I promise you will uh, not regret um, it. Yeah, and there's a ton of videos like how to clean a squirrel. It's actually not as complicated as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I, I meant to say this earlier. I actually have been squirrel hunting. Kevin Murphy. Yeah. It's our most popular video on YouTube. It's like 110,000 views. Yeah. Go watch it, guys. It's on our YouTube channel. Just search the Southern Outdoorsman on YouTube. And it also comes up if you search the Southern Outdoors Man, by the way. <laughs> I actually do it. We sometimes. control both of them. Yeah. yeah. But um, but that squirrel hunt, that we did shoot a bunch of squirrels on that trip. And that was, again, Man, pretty cool. We so many squirrels after that. You remember that? That we was were in that, Kevin's that, driveway. Yeah, that cleaning sucked. All of them? That kind of sucked, though. All the oh, Cle- dude, Kevin was—he was like in hog heaven with just, it. He's just, like, I got all these boys out here cleaning my squirrels. Hell yeah! Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's funny. But uh, anyways, just like that versatility is, is, is something interesting. Just kind of the, the small game aspect. But uh, I don't know. Again, I, I'm curious, especially seeing like when someone gets into squirrel hunting, especially like if I, I'm going to do more of it this year because I think it's just another way to kind of like change stuff up. Um, but, like, the recipes, like, what you can use it for, food-wise. Oh, yeah. I mean, because people are like, oh, you're shooting a rat. Dude, it's like white meat. It is delicious. It yeah. is it is ridiculous, like, what you can do. Like, I was telling some guys, I, I, so I did, so we killed a bunch of rabbits last year. And I, I was able, like, a lot of the guys were like, do you want to take the rabbits home? I'm like, yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, cleaned them and everything. And, like, what I started doing, and what I'll do probably this year again is, like, Braising that rabbit, where like you put it in like your uh, like Dutch oven, where you put it in the oven with some chicken broth and some vegetables. Oh, yeah. Braise it down where it's like shredded, and then you can do so many things with it. Like literally, I did a barbecue sandwich one day with some of that meat, and like it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And then also like dude, like uh, taking some of that shredded meat, putting it because it's already cooked, putting it like on a cast iron skillet with a little bit of butter and get it like really really hot, and almost do like your uh, what, what do we call it? Uh, the uh, reverse here? No, 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 no. What's that? What's that thing? The uh, taco. Um, oh yeah. Come on. Yeah. I don't know. You you know, barbacoa is like the bar like kind of like a okay, barbacoa yeah, yeah, like yeah, a barbacoa yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. So like pretty much you just take it, kind of like really hot, kind of crisp up that meat on both sides of that. So the meat, meat is already cooked. It's it's slow cooked and then shredded, mm-hmm. and then you take it. You get a cast iron skillet. Throw some butter in there. Get it nice and hot. And if you want to get it even hotter, but you still want that butter flavor, I like to put olive oil in there and then just a little bit of butter in the olive oil. Well, actually, not even olive oil, because olive oil has a lower smoke point. Use some avocado oil. Yeah, I kind of avocado oil. It, sometimes it can throw kind of a weird flavor, depending on what brand you get. Canola, maybe? 
Uh, yeah, canola. Canola's a high or, temp. Or just good old lard, too. Okay. Works. All but right. anyways, anyway. you throw a little bit, raise that smoke point, get a little hotter. But mm-hmm. yeah, you crisp up that, that shredded meat. <laughs> put, it on, put it on a tortilla. Would you like some sliced cabbage and everything? Like, like kind of little oh. slaw goes on top. And throw like, some slaw on there. And you do like a little spi- oh, you like a little spicy kind of little drizzle on top of it, dude. Like, oh, like, no. like some, like some uh, let's dude. see here. Like some like chipotle mayo or something like that, like just over the top of it. It's like like drizzled. Oh, dude, dude, it's I over. just it's I over. just freaking slammed a big freaking steak, but you're starting to make me hungry. Mm. <laughs> dude, delicious. I'm oh. telling you, you cook that for somebody, they will go out and oh, murder 100%. every. They'll go shoot every squirrel. Oh yeah, that's definitely good stuff. That's make, fun, man. Make you believe it. Same thing with something about it, man. I, like I, I hope I just I wish that everyone that listened to this could have an opportunity. To go and rabbit hunt behind beagles to kind of bring it full circle. Yeah, we're gonna do something outdoors. Listen, if you it, guys it is like a southern pastime, like a southern tradition, man. Like, and there's something you're holding that like big giant freaking swamp rabbit. Yeah. You got beagles hanging around, and you're like, this. I was born for this. Hey, this year <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm fully vested up, bro. I got my finalized vest, bro. I'm gonna be ready. Dude, you gotta use that Dan's gift card. I got you for oh, your birthday. I bro. forgot, bro. Dude, you, you put a reminder on your phone. Okay. The thing's gonna expire. You gotta give me those briar bibs, man. Briar jacket, something like that. Mm. But like, definitely, it's it's interesting, guys. Like, we'll have to do that Southern Outdoorsman, Southern Outdoorsman podcast. Yeah, a little, uh, little, little rabbit hunt. Little rabbit, little, the rabbit shoot, dude. It'd be like little, I don't know, a little camp trip. Dude. Take the camper out there, bro. That's how we like select people. I don't know, but we'll say say it's like three. It's like three or four guys, and we all take the camper out there, dude. Have the whole the whole shindig, bro. It'd be like everybody stay at camp. It'd be a good time. That'd be if you're interested, guys. You got you got to DM us or shoot us a message or something. Yeah, I'd be curious how many people reach out about that. I'm dead serious. I will do especially our Alabama guys. I know people who I'm sure we could get some beagles and we could. I know we yeah. can get beagles. We, the dogs ain't the problem. I'm talking about getting, you know, we got to get some listeners there with them like, hey, listen, end of deer season, February 11th, yep. out, end of Alabama's deer season. Let's go run some rabbits and, you know, we're going to get after them. I like it. All right, y'all, hit us up. Uh, all right, man. I could talk about small game for forever, but Rusty and Rusty Rustin, and Rustin jo- Johnson. Yeah. From- talking to them. And when we very first had Rusty on, I guess it might have been just last year, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, last he October. Was like, he was like, man. Y'all need to get my son on when it comes to the trail camera stuff because he can flat out find them. And so that's something we've been looking forward to doing for a year now uh, because he was just he was talking up Rustin so much. He's like, man, he, he just puts a camera out in the woods and bam, he's got a big deer. I'm like, well, we need to talk to him. Um, I found it super interesting, just his approach to trail cameras. It makes a lot of sense. And doing the doing the podcast for so long, it's fun to hear the the crossover between past guests Josh Driver, who we talk about all the time, compounding features. Episode 141, classic. He's talking about compounding features, as in compounding terrain features, so like a bench running into a saddle. We've talked a lot about that in past episodes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to episode 141, and then go listen to the past like six episodes we've done. Chuck Young, the whole Chuck Young, yeah, all those guys. Uh, like you'll, you'll figure out what we're talking about. Um, that's what Josh Driver talks about. Rustin was talking a little bit smaller scale. So he his compounding feature was like a, a big trail that crosses a road that runs into something of interest, mm-hmm. where it just runs into something. of Like he kept saying, like little ponds, which I guess they have a lot of where he's at. We don't really have that here. But I'm just kind of thinking through in my head. It's like, okay, what would the equivalent of that be for us? And for me, it's like, okay, where a, where a, a trail crosses a road and goes through – like a little hub or a saddle or, or something. Or, like, he was talking about, like, uh, something that would, like, funnel a deer around. And he was talking about, I think, like, rocks or, like, drainages or stuff like yeah. that. 
you know, if you're in a flat lane, it might be like a big, tr- like a trail across the road, and there's a couple big trees down on the other side. Uh-huh. So they have to go around those big down trees. Yeah. And like you can kind of put the trail cameras in a specific spot around those big fallen trees that you're going to catch the deer going around them. Yeah, exactly. Fun- kind of funnels that movement just so you can make it more of a high odd spot mm-hmm. where you'll actually get him on camera, yep. which is pretty interesting. Or it could, again, it could be flooded water. It could be, you know, just ungodly thick stuff. Or, throwing a mock scrape oh, up right there. You know, another thing I just thought about that what? kind of reminds me of Adrian Farley's episode. I think it's 125, 121. Okay, something like that. It's somewhere in the 120s. 120s. Uh, throwback to 2019, yep. and uh, he talks about like getting running trail cameras like right off the road. I mean, oh, oh yeah, and like catching bucks. Literally, what he was talking about, like a lot of the doe movement was going, you know, perpendicular to the roads. Like the does are crossing the roads where a lot mm-hmm. of the bucks were running the roads. Specifically, yep. talking the rut here, and he would catch bucks again, literally like not even legal distance off the road, and it was actually hard sometimes to kill them because again they weren't. Far enough yeah, off the road to be able far to shoot. Enough off, it's very interesting. But, it's, but in thick cover, like not open timber, thick cover, but they're running the roads. And I found trails you like that in Tennessee. actually rode around with Adrian yeah. and looked at this stuff, right? Explain that cover again. It was, I mean, it's just big, thick, slut-cut pines, specifically yeah. in this area, where it's just like, you know, they came through, they slut-cut these big pines. Uh, so there's like gaps in the canopy. So it gets really, really thick. And you have, I mean, literally six to eight foot tall of vines and vegetation. And he takes a climber and then gets up above it. But you got to think in like, you know, December, like where this area has a, you know, the ruts count going on, he's getting up in a climber where it's still super thick, but he can kind of see into little pockets of, so he can catch movement and see a buck coming through potentially and get a yeah, shot opportunity, yeah. you know, hunting specifically with a rifle, but also with the bow sometimes too. Uh, but he talked about doing that specifically trying to find these bucks really close to the roads. Like he rarely hunted more than like a hundred yards off the road and he killed some really, really nice deer doing so. Mm. Uh, but he's hunting the right kind of cover. And it makes me wonder like with Rustin, you know how he's running those cameras specifically he's like you know he's not necessarily catching like rut movement where like the bucks are like cruising these roads like just inside the timber no he's catching them right now yeah he's catching them during the summertime and like early fall but it makes me wonder like how often are the bucks crossing the roads and also how often are they just kind of spending time next to those roads in general kind of paralleling them yeah and, and just and like just hanging out yeah it's just like around you, the diversity you have that really good cover like maybe you have like a deep drainage right there and it's like a nice cool mm. spot where they can kind of bed down off that drainage but yeah. they can kind of come up and feed around the top of the drainage and stuff like that right next to the road like what he's talking about makes me wonder mm. really makes me wonder well and it's i'm glad you brought up adrian because i'm actually uh hopefully tomorrow gonna actually utilize some of that uh just going to a place that can't can't say where and can't say it's for a hunt coming up this fall that we can't really give any details on right now Ooh. but uh i'm gonna go out there tomorrow just as preparation and i'm pretty much gonna do what he's talking about put trail cameras in spots that are um very non-invasive where when we roll up for the week of that hunt we can just bam run through and check them and see what see what the deal is because we're you might go down there like one time. You were talking about wanting to go down there. I don't mm-hmm. know if you'd have a chance to get down there and check them one time, uh, but probably these cameras are it, just going to get checked when we get down there to hunt. And, and just want to let you know, a little bit of pressure, because if we check them, there ain't, there ain't a single buck on camera, we're bro. We're bouncing. They, listen, that's on some of the footage, and we're like, mm, well, Andrew's trail camera running mm. strategy did not work out this that's time. That's true. That's true. Well, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to – I'm going to go to, this is a place I've hunted before. Have you ever hunted there? Mm-hmm. When did you hunt there? Uh, 2019. With me? Mm-hmm. Man, I have no recollection of that whatsoever. I only hunted there, I think we hunted there maybe two days. 
and like we scouted around a said field. It was me. Oh, 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 oh. And then like we hunted off another. I found a spot. And I, was, I remember. I, I stopped way too short. I stopped down by the creek. I should have went up on the hill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember now. I remember when you came down there. Well, uh, so spots like that, like we've got history. We kind of know where we kind of know where the deer were hanging out. Uh, it's been two years since I've been on the place. It might, well, it might be three years. I don't know. Uh, it's been a minute since I've been out there, so I don't know how much things have changed. But gonna kind of go back to where I've seen stuff in the past. And the good news is. And I, I shared all this. Uh, I made a folder of the place on on X uh, where you can literally just take the entire property and make it into like a folder, and all the pins on the whole property go into a folder, and I can just send that folder to Jacob. So That's, I don't have to. I don't have to send him eighteen pins and three tracks. That is super handy. Yeah, like, super handy. Like we've been doing the same thing in Arkansas. Like I sent you the one. Was oh like, yeah, collaborating. My, yeah, mine was like forty four pins, and I'm like, you just put it all in one folder. Yep. The tracks, everything, access point. And then, bam, send it over. And you send one folder, and they all pop up. Super, super useful. Uh, Well, the good thing about this place is, as I was hunting this place in, like, 2017, 18, and 19, I think, were the three years I hunted it, I took really, really good pins and notes on this place. And so it's like, when I hunted, I would drop a pin, and if I didn't see anything, the pin is black. And if I did see something, the pin was white, and it had notes on what I saw in the conditions. And, dude... I started going back through there, and there was hunts I completely forgot about where I was, like, seeing bucks and everything. And I'm like, holy crap, dude. Like, I'm we, so... We, we can kill one of that little sliver of trees. Probably. I'm probably. I mean... That'd be a good place to run trail I had dates and everything, and, like, some of these dates are lining up with when we're going to be there this year. I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. So, I'm going to go out there and speed scout it tomorrow. What's, what, what state is this? Can we say? No, I, I, was, I was trying to put you in the put you on uh, onto the gun. It's a, it's a southern state. Um, most people probably could guess it. If you're a long term listener, I'm sure you could probably guess it um, based on what I've been saying here. But um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put cameras in just like low invasive spots. Probably not all next to the road. I'm actually probably gonna hit some creeks and uh, some known creek crossings from how a couple far, years how back. How that point where you and Michael had that crazy hunt? Mm-hmm. How far, like, could you go and put a camera somewhere around that point? That's where I'm going. That's the first place I'm going. Dude, once you go in there and it's like tore up, bro, from sign from last year. Well, so the the hillside, so to get to that spot, you have to park on the main road and drop through these, uh, like, select cut pines way down to a creek bottom. And you get all the way down to the creek bottom, and then you got to cross the creek, and it's a pretty big creek, and uh, get up the other side and then go up and on top of this knob. Well, well the knob? Sl- is it a knob or a secondary point? Secondary point. I don't know. Whatever. It's one of the two. Um, <laughs> but the place where you leave the main road and go to got cut over last year. So now it's a cutover from the road to the creek, and then you have to cross a cutover, and then you have to cross the creek, and then you have to go up on the secondary point to go get to where these deer were at. may make it even that much better. I think it's going to make it a lot better because they've had a whole growing season of heavy rains in this region mm-hmm. on top of this brand new cutover with all this lush growth in it. Mm. And, uh, oh, stump sprouts, bro. Stump sprouts, you <sighs> name it. I mean, might as well be a better, freaking bean field. You better cut you some tracks, man, and start yeah. backtracking. So I'm going to go, I'm going to drop, that's pretty much, if I don't go anywhere else tomorrow, I'm going to go there. And uh, I'm just going to drop straight down to that creek, hit the creek, walk it, find the tracks, throw, I'm going to, I think I'm bringing like three cameras. I'm just going to throw three cameras out on it because that's something that we can run in there and we have to walk into them but it's it's pretty non-invasive 
uh, and and I can find some compounding features. Kind of, I'm going to take what Rustin was saying, and I'm going to try to really refine how I put these cameras out in the spot because um, this kind of goes up to this actually references some some episodes we're about to have come out, which I'm not going to say too much about, but being really efficient with your camera, because if you think your camera's covering like such a small amount of the land mass right there, mm. like 0.7 acre or whatever point seven our, acres. our future guest said, um, you need to optimize that spot. So if something comes through there, you're going to have them on camera. So you got to think about like how high the camera needs to be, what angle it needs to be at, what needs to be in front of the camera to either funnel them around or attract the deer in front of the camera. So I'm going to keep all that in mind because we kind of got a lot riding on these cameras. I mean, we don't need the cameras as long as the sign is there to know, but it'd be really nice to kind of know what we're dealing with here and uh, and know frequency of when they're coming through and everything on this hunt. So really want to get these trail cameras right. So I'm glad that we were able to talk to Rustin because I feel like the, he just takes trail, trail cameras to the next level. And just a step above and thinks about all the things that I wouldn't have thought about. And so now I've kind of got that blueprint going in tomorrow. So pretty pretty excited, dude. Yeah, it's interesting when you find guys like Rustin who have a ton of success with trail cameras. Because, again, it's, it's hit or miss. Like, you, we talked to some guys on the podcast that, like, you know, they use them a little bit. They use them a little bit, and it's not like a, a – maybe, maybe it's not like a huge part of what they do. Like, kind of give you an idea, like, like Michael Perry, for example, who we've had on a bunch of podcasts. You know, he uses trail cameras, but he doesn't really care about the data for this year. He's using data from this year to figure out where he needs to hunt for next year. Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, so it's kind of like long ter- long term sense. And then you have guys like on the flip side, like Rustin, who's using them to tell them where and when to hunt right then and now. And you know, they're chasing some absolute giants in Northwest Arkansas and also mm-hmm. in Kansas. Um, Begging. So you know, it's it's really kind of interesting. And then you find the flip side, like guys like you know Travis Murray, who again we just had on. Who went? You know, used to be hardcore in trail cameras. You know, 15 years ago, to completely cutting trail Cold cameras turkey. out of his life because of just like how much time it took out of his day and like you know out of his life in general. And he wanted to kind of get back to some more old school woodsmanship, and still has success without the cameras. But these guys that use cameras very successfully, which we have another guest that we've already recorded with that will come out. That episode probably will come out. It'll be a little while, but when it comes out. This, there's another guest we interviewed specifically that uses trail cameras to try to figure out where he needs to hunt later in the season. Yeah. And has tremendous success running trail cameras uh, to the way that, like, you're like, dude, those deer don't have a chance. Mm. Yep. So it, it's just really, really interesting when you find guys like this, like, again, like like Rustin and some of these other guys that just, you know, have it dialed. They, they have their system in place and they really just make it work to the best of their ability. And again, it's not always about necessarily, you know, working harder. Sometimes it's about working smarter and trying to figure out like, how can I run like Russ, Russ talks about in the episode, you know, if I can only, if I have to hike in two miles to a spot to run cameras, I can only check five or six cameras in there versus if I run 30 of them off a road, off a couple of road systems that I can run in the same amount of time driving down the road, walking 30 yards off that side and, and checking them. Yep. You know, which way is going to be more efficient for me? Yep. And it, yeah, it does make sense, especially if you're trying to cover a huge swath of property, uh, a bunch of different pieces of public land, and you're trying to find the most amount of, you know, mature bucks possible. You know, it kind of makes sense. In the sense. shortest amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about being efficient with the time that you've given. Uh, so I'd love to hear from some listeners specifically and seeing if there's anybody out there that's kind of decided to take in or decided to take uh, Rustin's perspective, especially in some of these states that open like, you know, Alabama and Mississippi opens in October. 
you know, because you still have the whole month of September ahead of you to kind of do this and be able to check cameras. Because, you know, he talks about, you know, having different categories of, of pins where he's got, you know, he's got his blues, his yellows, his reds, or whatever he's calling them. Whereas, like, he's like, you know, he's like, this week I'm running blues, next week I'm running yellows, next week I'm running whites, and then I rotate back through. So each week I'm checking different cameras, but they're sitting for, you know, two to three weeks at a time before I'm actually coming back. And I'm like, you know, that that is something that's super, super interesting um, that, you know, definitely can, you know, play a huge factor to, you know, having some success. Um, so... Also, one thing that he said, uh, Rustin talked about, you know, he talked a lot about mock scrapes, dude. He likes putting, yep. he likes putting a mock scrape in on those camera locations. Well, and he's got, apparently, he's got his little secret sauce. He's got his little secret sauce, which we've 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 heard about over the last year, so we still don't know what all entails. So don't message us like a couple of you guys have about, like, oh, man, what's he using? I have no idea. Mm, I wish I knew. Don't know. I don't know at all. From I the sounds of it, I'd love a bottle of whatever it is. I know uh, um, uh, Travis Murray talked about uh, on his one of his last episodes we did with us when we were talking about trail cameras, and he mentioned it again on this Monday's episode, this past Monday's episode. Uh, his special thing that he used to use for trail cameras when he's had a ton of success with it was like a peanut butter, salt, and vanilla extract mix that he actually would like mix up in some water and like dilute it and spray it mm-hmm. and had a ton of success with that specifically. Yep. And again, we've never tried it, but we've had – We've had some listeners try it and had some success with that too. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do to try to figure out what might work for you. But um, uh, also, you know something else? Do you have anything else on wrestling? Because there's something else I want to mention that I kind of forgot about. What? Man, we, you know, kind of dropped uh, old uh, Kevin Tolis's episode talking some hog hunting, man. Yeah, I dropped a little sample of that last Friday. Um, we were we were both like we had been traveling and everything, so we were just kind of throwing out a little easy episode uh, that week, getting back from Idaho, and uh, I kind of gave you all a little teaser on Kevin Tullis's hog episode. We recorded an episode with Kevin all about hog hunting and targeting hogs on national forests or wildlife management areas, specifically in Alabama, which is where Kevin is from. And uh, here in Alabama, you actually can hunt hogs on national forest year-round with a centerfire rifle. So you can go out with your 270 tomorrow, you know, August 26th, and go hunting uh, for hogs. Or you can hunt them on WMAs where they exist with whatever is in season. So if squirrel is in season, you can hunt them with like a 22 long rifle. And you absolutely can kill a hog with a 22 long rifle because I've done it. I know for a fact because I've killed one with a twenty two, um, and we talk about that with Kevin. Uh, we go over stuff like uh, the kind of places he targets, which is not what you really expect, not what I expect. No, absolutely him not. to say, like at all. Which did you know any of that beforehand? No, okay, absolutely so, not. So, so I did. So. He explains why I I haven't like I, I usually don't kill hogs when I hunt them this time of year. I haven't done it a lot, but I've done it some, and I go chugging through a little swamp you know, knee-deep in muck, and I just get eaten alive and don't see any hogs. Uh, so pretty interesting, his perspective on all of that. And then we talk about just a whole bunch of other stuff. It's kind of like a little BS episode, too. We get it's into fun. Some fun stuff. Tell our best hog stories. We got a couple good ones. Yeah, so if someone wants to get a hold of that episode for the full length, because they get, they get a snippet of it, yep. how can guys get a hold of that episode? Uh, Patreon members, of course, got early access to that one. The Patreon gets early access to everything that we do, uh, whether it be bonus content or... Uh, or like YouTube videos or whatever. So Patreon got the first look at that one. Um, next in line was Apple Podcast subscribers. So if you subscribe for uh, like what is it a dollar ninety nine a month mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts, you got that full length episode, not just the sample you heard last Friday. 
Um, so those subscriptions help us out. Those are, uh, you know, a massive uh, support for the show, and we really appreciate those. And so we're trying to offer something back up to you guys. So these uh, bonus episodes like the In the Field series and what you hear with Kevin Tullis, that's what we're trying to put out for y'all. Uh, so to get that full episode, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go subscribe or join our Patreon if you want extra bonus content on top of that. I want to put something out there right now just thought about because season's coming up. Uh-huh. Uh Us partnering with Onyx, one thing I want to – I'm just going to announce because I think you're a game, but I just thought about for the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, guys, if you become a listener success story this year where you actually go out and implement, uh, you know, tips and tactics from the podcast and you have success, I think we're going to do a monthly drawing, uh, for a Onyx premium elite membership. Mm. Uh, we have a bunch of them to kind of give away to you guys. And if you specifically go out there and have success, you know, using tips and tactics for the podcast and we decide, and first off, you know, we'll, we'll do it probably break down each month of the season. Yeah. And kind of draw for that. And also, if we draw you, we'll probably have you on as a little bonus episode as well, specifically kind of talking more about your hunt and everything else and kind of getting some more nitty-gritty. Um, That's so, a good idea. So, I'm get, game for that. Yeah, so guys, listen. Again, if you use tips and tactics from the podcast starting this season and go out and kill you, a, a, you know, whatever, a nice deer, a doe, whatever, it doesn't matter, but you go out and kill a, a deer using tips and tactics from the podcast from one of the guests, shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram, or shoot us an email at info at thesoutherenoutdoorsman.com, or just go to our contact page on our website, which just search the Southern Outdoors man or men, it'll come up, and uh, let us know, you know, send us, you know, say this title, Southern Out- or uh, Listener Success Story. And uh, let us know, you know, you know how what episodes were impactful for you. And again, you'll go into the drawing for that uh, for those uh, Onyx Elite membership cards, which will give you a free year worth again ninety nine dollars uh, of that service. So uh, that that would be killer, guys, because we want to kind of give back to you guys. And again, it's, it was exciting to kind of see as many of you guys had success last year, and we really want to make it super fun for you guys this year as well. Um, and then also, Andrew, we got to talk about the new tier on on uh, Patreon. For, oh yeah, so we, we haven't said a dang thing about that. I know, and we got to do it because I think there's a lot of people that are going to be interested in this. So we get we get messages every single week, guys, from a ton of you about you know, hey, can you help me break down this piece of property, whether it's public land, private land, whatever. And just being 100% straight with you guys, we don't have time to answer everybody's, like, requests because it, it really, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's, a, it's a lot, especially for us to do a really good job. And, and we actually just launched on our Patreon page, which, again, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Southern Outdoorsman or click the link b- below. We actually have a tier now where, Andrew, we can kind of talk a little bit about it, mm-hmm. where not only – you know, each month that you're part of this tier, we're going to break down a specific piece of property. We're also going to make you a custom video of us kind of showing these specific spots and why yeah. these are like our top spots and not just text them to you, but actually do a video to be able to produce for you. That's just for you. It's not going to go up on YouTube or anything like that, Yeah, that you can actually sit and watch and get our takes on and also be able to get on phone calls with us where we can kind of discuss in more detail yep. what is our take on this. And then as you're going out there and scouting, be able to give us a call or shoot us a text and kind of do a step-by-step kind yeah. of walkthrough, which okay, is going to be yeah. really so, cool. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because <clears throat> we haven't really actually said anything about that. We just kind of like quietly launched it uh like so it's like jacob if you've got a hunting club mm-hmm. um or a lease or family land or whatever you can come to us and uh and join that patreon tier which is limited to either five or ten i think people. it's five uh because you know that's just what we feel like we can probably handle and like give you the attention that like you deserve and everything for being in that tier um uh so it's limited and you come to us and you say hey here's my property will you scout it 
we will go through and we will look at it. We will drop some pins and, and kind of break it down, just like if we were going to hunt it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do a quick little video, uh, you know, like 10, 15-minute video, where we say, okay, this is this spot. This is what this looks like. And this is why it looks good and why you, we think you should check it out mm-hmm. uh, and at least go put boots on the ground there. And then that video gets sent to you directly and nobody else. So it doesn't go live on Patreon. It doesn't go live on YouTube. doesn't get posted on social media. It's only for you mm-hmm. and, and your use. So that's what that tier is for. Yeah, and then be able to get on a call with this, which we're trying to figure out. I, I think we might have put one or two calls, something like that, uh, yeah. a month. Just that, hey, if you need, if we need to talk about it for 45 minutes, let's get on a call and discuss and yeah. kind of walk through, again, not only our take of kind of like what we talked about in the video and off the pins, but also when you actually go out there and scout or hunt it, what are you seeing and how do we maybe help you be able to make an adjustment based off what you're seeing and what you're finding so far? Yep. Um, so, again, we just have a ton of people that's been reaching out to us. So, just to kind of do our best of our ability to kind of give the most back to you guys. Again, we're offering that just for a few select people. I think I think we're offering it starting out with just five people because we want to do a really good job with it and maybe expand out if we can make sure we can handle yeah, it. Yeah, we don't want to bite off more than we can chew with it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, if you're interested in looking at that and you're interested in, in, in again, uh, you know, us and you, uh, me, Andrew, and yourself kind of working through a property, you know, you can go over to the patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. You can click the link below in the show notes uh, and go check out that tier. I don't know. Did you name that tier specifically? Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot what I named. Um, well, that, that really helps. I mean, maybe you can pull a collaborator it up. or something like that. Well, pull it up real quick on the app and uh, so, so we can mention it just so people know what we're talking about. But uh, if you go and pull up that tier, guys, again, you can do it for just one month. You could do it for multi month. You could do it for however long you need to. But again, be able to get that really hand on uh, aspect with us. It'll be really, really interesting. And again, it makes it even more fun for us because it gives us a more um, a specific time period that we can really dive deep with you on the conversation, on the property, and spend a lot of time on it, which we just cannot do on social media, guys, when people message us, you know, looking at properties and, yeah, and what may look good and what may not. It's called the collaborator. So the collaborator tier. So go check that out, guys, if you're interested. Of course, you know, we only have that open up. I think this is says for five. Yep. Uh, yeah, so five people only. So, so there's five people as of right now. Go check it out, guys. Let us know. Uh, again, if, if you want to join it, second you join, we'll reach out to you, and we'll start working automatically, trying to get some stuff put together, figuring out your property, what you're looking at, and, and kind of get you ready because, again, season's coming up quick, and I'm super excited to kind of get that sucker launched. And hopefully my biggest goal, especially with that program there with the collaborator uh, tier, is creating listener success stories through that tier. Yeah, where it's not just list success stories from the podcast, but it's also success stories of us trying to again work through this situation with you, hands on, to put you in the right position to make sure that you can go in there and be as successful as physically possible. So, yep, uh, great, absolutely, greatly appreciate that. But uh, other than that, Andrew, what you got? Got anything else? Uh, we got to read a couple of reviews. Um, oh. It's the first like outro we've recorded ourselves in, in a while. Um, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and just do this one. So where are these reviews at? Just so people know. Apple Podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, guys. Five-star review, baby. Go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Leave us a five-star written review. And again, we try to read these off as we can on the podcast. Currently sitting at 924 reviews. Not too shabby. Guys, we're trying to get to 1,000 reviews uh, before the end of the year. And I'm sure we can get there, guys. If you would, go and leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. But, Andrew, where are you starting at? All right. uh, JP Morgan 1083. Still waiting. Five stars. Hey, Woodsman and Watersman. Still waiting on the new name. Uh, the content on both shows is great as always. 
Also, you may want to check it, check out and share the Clay Newcomb shock pouch video for those who hunt deep and find themselves with a harvested deer and no heavy pack to carry it out. Keep up the good work. Uh, what he's talking about there with the, the shock pouch thing is uh, you can actually essentially is make like a... slot or slouch? I, I, I've heard it pronounced a couple different ways. I, didn't know I don't know. You, it's essentially like making like a like a backpack type deal out of a deer yeah where you so, you kind of run its legs through it its front legs through its back legs and you can carry it like a bag so like you, on your shoulder so listeners will probably enjoy this in in idaho we were able at that event clay newcomb was there i got to talk to him in great detail about that and yeah. just about some other stuff too and um he actually found a new way. I think that he said they're going to work on a new video of a better way to go about doing it. Really? Yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, there is an upgrade to that method to get the deer out. But yeah, definitely, uh, Clay's a great guy and great great, great podcast over at the uh, Bear Grease podcast. But, Excellent podcast. Uh, this is the next one um, is from Hart 16 uh, Five stars. The title is Helpful and Unique. Best listen to uh, – uh, God, I can't talk – been listening to the podcast for a while now, and I can honestly say that it's the best podcast for hunting that is out there. Since following the podcast, my strategies have changed, and my success has been higher than ever before. That's pretty freaking awesome, my man. That's an awesome review. That's kind of epic. It, uh, and then, of course, of course. You, you better put some personality to this the one. Legendary, the, the legend himself, man. If we, next time we do an event, we ought to fly this guy out, Like, because I'm not sure exactly where he lives. Uh, old, old Thicket Cricket, son. The Thicket Cricket, the one and only. Um, he left us five-star review. Uh, about that time to start hopping F dot 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 because it doesn't let me see the whole title. I'm assuming he's saying fences. Uh, he said the old the old Cricket coming to get y'all's target buck and be back in time for McDonald's breakfast. Hashtag fear the chirp. Clearly he doesn't live in Alabama because we would say Jack's breakfast. Oh, dude. Well, yeah. You know, man, I love me a good Jack's breakfast. I ain't gonna lie. I go sit in there with all the old folks, man. I have a good old time. I'm telling you. Dude, there's nothing like there's nothing like you're out like a, whether it be a deer hunt or a turkey hunt or whatever, and uh and you kill whatever you that you came out there for and you look at your watch and you're like, man, it's seven AM. Like I'm hitting up Jack or I'm going to Waffle House or something. You're like, this is about to be a good morning, dude. Uh, there's nothing quite like that. Mm. I'm sure there's some people out there that can relate to that. Oh, hundred percent awesome. Got head up head up to the Waffle House with a dead turkey in the back yep. or a dead buck in the back. Absolutely. I did that one time in Green Pond, Alabama. Went to the Green Pond grocery and got me some breakfast. Oh, did you? We had two we had two bucks, two nine points in the bed of my truck. And dude, we were like Green Pond famous. There's, I know there's people listening to this that know where Green Pond, Alabama is. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, there was like Green Pond. There's just like a little intersection right there, and there's this gas station with like a little. That's pretty little, good, yeah. Yeah, a little convenience. So that's store. the old rabbit. That's the rabbit hunting dude. Stop. You, you go there on any given Saturday morning in the wintertime, and there's gonna be dog boxes galore, and you're gonna know some folks that we know. Probably gonna see old Jeff, old Paul, old Paul, maybe old Ben, old yeah. Phil. Like these guys, we know most of those people, and uh, man. Yeah, we stopped there with these bucks midday. And I'm telling you, there's people pulling off the road. You know, that main road goes right through there. There's people pulling over. There was girl like like older women getting out of their cars and like taking pictures with our deer and everything. <laughs> like we always laughed. We're like, Yeah, we were famous in Green Pond for a day. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I old, love it. Oh, big buck killers. Uh but hey guys, listen, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please share it with some friends. Share it with multiple friends, not just a friend. Um, the, the show's really kind of sparked off, uh, as it normally does in the fall time. And of course we got new listeners on here. So if you're a new listener to the show or a more recent listener, or even maybe a diehard listener, you know, share the
share the podcast with some buddies. You know, share like one of your favorite episodes, whether it's like 141 with Josh Driver, you know, maybe 210 with Travis Murray, any of those classics. You know, share one of those episodes with a buddy or two or a bunch of them and uh, let us keep on rocking and rolling with this thing. Because listen, guys, we got to get Andrew full time. And for us to get Andrew full time, guys, we got to keep growing the show. We got to get right. the, we got to grow that show, guys. So, um, anyways, I hope you all been enjoying the content. Again, if you've been enjoying the uh, bonus content, all the Patreon and Apple subscriber users, uh, thank you all so much for your support because it's directly. Uh, contributing to what we're trying to do here with the podcast and bringing out a lot of more video content. A lot of you Apple subscribers have already heard, along with Patreon subscribers, that we hired a uh, podcast editor now to take uh, really a lot of stress off Andrew, so he hasn't had to edit anymore. So now we can go full-fledged into more video content and working on a lot of video content for you guys uh, for this year and, and years to come. So uh, please go over and subscribe to that. If you are an Apple listener, listen on Apple or iTunes, uh, maybe think about joining our Apple, becoming a paid Apple subscriber, uh, which is just $1.99 a month uh, or $20 a year. And you get ad free content of not only the Southern Outdoorsman podcast, but also the Southern Waters Fishing podcast. Uh, but in addition to also getting bonus content, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, in, in addition to getting ad free content, ad free episodes, you also get these bonus episodes that we've been dropping. We've had quite a few handfuls. Uh, bonus episodes come out so far uh, so make sure you kind of keep an eye on that and again maybe try to join that as well and again appreciate everybody joining patreon as well uh, appreciate your support and guys we will catch you back here on next monday's episode of the southern outdoors hunting All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear how do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.